Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Antioch. Merry Christmas. You guys could go ahead and find your seats. Want to welcome anyone who's here for the first time. My name's Ben Wickle. I'm one of the pastors. I get the privilege of bringing the word this morning. So we are continuing this Advent theme talking about peace. Does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Joy. Last week was joy. This week was peace. Did any parents have to practice peace this morning getting here by 930? Yeah? Yeah? The Wickle family was practicing peace this morning. All right. It was 2,000 years ago that angels were sent from heaven to flood the skies over the shepherds, and they declared glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. I imagine it was some of those same angels who had saw the peace of God leave the earth back in the garden. And here they were announcing that Christ had had finally come. They had been waiting for centuries, generations, and the peace of God was finally being declared on earth. And here we are, we get to celebrate Jesus, his birth, and we have access to this beautiful peace the peace of Jesus, and now we're peacemakers. We get to see his peace of his kingdom be established in the earth. Well, if you're expecting a traditional type sermon, you're in for a disappointment. Uh, I have printed out in your pews some little little packets, and I only, only printed, printed out 75, so you're going to have to share with a significant other or maybe someone near you. And I wanted to have more of an cong- interactive congregational study of the Word of God. We're going to interact, of course, with the presence of God. We're going to interact with the Word of God. But I want the, the, you, the people of God, to interact with one another. And I'm going to start off interacting with you guys. I'm going to need some participation, all right? I'm going to need some people to volunteer and help me out here. So when we talk about peace, even just a basic definition of peace, what comes to mind? What's one of the first things? We, peace. When people say, do you have peace? What do we, what do we tend to think of? I need, and go ahead and raise your hand. I'm going to need some help here. Kami. Okay, we think of tranquility. Think of tranquility. That's good. It's TJ. Okay, that, that is, that's probably one of the biggest definitions that comes through our mind, right? The absence of conflict, the absence of war, hostility. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this morning, what, what is peace? What does the Bible say about peace? What is biblical peace? Is it merely that, or is it something more? Now, how about scriptures? I know we have some Bible lovers in here. I know people are in the Word at Antioch. What scriptures come to mind when you... Think of peace. Who's got a scripture? Deep in here. Brenda. I don't know where it is. It says the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Ooh, that's a good one. We're going to talk about that one. That's in Romans 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's good. Who's got another one? Nikki. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Let the peace of, of Christ rule and reign in your hearts. I think it's Colossians. Colossians chapter two or three. Is there another one? Another verse about peace. Who, who I mean, you want, we all want more peace in our lives. We, we definitely want to see peace in the world. So we love these verses about peace. Is there another one? Yes, Andrew. Yeah. You know where that's from, Andrew? Isaiah. Wow, it's such a wonderful verse. Well, I have three goals this morning. Three goals for us as a congregation. 
my, I will say what my, one of my goals is not is just, just to pass on information. I have, but I have three goals. Number one is that each of us would have a renewing of our minds, that our understanding would be increased when it comes to godly peace. We want our minds to be renewed according to the word of God. Number two, we would then make that 18-inch journey from here to here and that we would have an encounter with the person of peace. That your emotions, I'm giving us permission to allow your emotions to be moved by God's peace. It's okay to be emotional with God. And then lastly, I I want there to be, I want us to to be activated. I want there to be some application. I want you to be equipped with your, your hands, if you will, to take this beautiful message of peace and see it translated even beyond the, the service. That's, where, that's how we know we as leaders are doing a good job equipping the saints. When the saints leave the gatherings and they're equipped, they're empowered, they're envisioned to take whatever it is they're learning out into the world. So we're, we're gonna, it's gonna be pretty active, interactive. We're gonna, we're gonna go through some just, just some times to just interact with the word and pause and, and have some prayer times because I want you guys to be equipped I want you guys to be equipped. So here's how it's going to work. Your notes are divided up into five sections. And I'm going to divide up this auditorium into five sections. In each section of the auditorium will be corresponding to that section in your notes. And and in just a minute, you're going to get together in small groups. Groups of two, maybe at most four or five and you're going to get together, and you're going to read the verses that are in your section. Just read them out together. And then there are a couple of questions with each section. And these questions are really simple. Some of the questions are designed just to look right at the text. What is the text saying? And then there are a few questions that go beyond the text to your, sort of your current level of knowledge of God and, and, and your experience. And we're going to take about five minutes, you and your groups, looking at the verses of that section, and then about, after about five minutes of you just interacting with one another in the word of God together, we're, we're then gonna spend the rest of our time going through each of those sections, and I'm gonna need several of you throughout this time to help me read the scriptures, uh, maybe answer some of the questions, and every now and then I'll chime in, probably a little bit more than every now and then, but I'll chime in a little bit, and... We're gonna, we're gonna be empowered, we're gonna be envisioned, we're gonna be equipped with God's peace. Does that sound good? All right, so here, here are the sections. So section one is, let's just say these first three rows right here. Section two is those back three or four rows. All right, section two. Section three, anyone in these first three rows right here? And then section four, wow. Let's just do, you guys are all section three. You guys are all section four. This is just easier. Section five. All right? Now, that doesn't mean you're with everyone in there. You just, you're going to get in small groups as well. But before we do that, let me just pray. Let me just pray. Every time you open up the word of God, you just want the spirit of God to breathe on the word of God. So I'm going to just pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask that we would see the person of God in the word of God. We wanna, we wanna meet you, we wanna encounter you, we wanna have our minds renewed, our hearts transformed, Jesus. Just come and speak to us. We pray this in your name. Amen, amen. All right, I'm gonna put a timer on. Got five minutes. Find groups of two to three. Uh, you have some pens there too. And just take five minutes. Just go through, read your verses in your section. Answer the questions. Talk about your verses.
going to take two more minutes, two more minutes, and if you're already done, talk about what you found most significant. If you've already finished it, talk about what you found most significant as it relates to peace. Two more minutes. Take one more minute. been close to five minutes. Okay, we're going to see how well you guys did. Section one. Section one is the person of peace. Can I have a volunteer to read Isaiah 9? Loud and proud. All right, Brooke. Brooke! Yes, read it out loud. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Can we give it up for Brooke? Good job, Brooke. Woo. So what's the, the fourth name given to the child, Brooke? He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And names, names in Bible times were way more important than in how we use names. Names reveal nature. So the very nature of God is that he is peace. And this is where I want to pause and look at the, the meaning of the word peace. What, does anyone know the Hebrew word for peace? I'm sure a bunch of you do. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. There you go. You guys knew it. All right. Shalom. Now, what does shalom mean? Shalom is more than just this contemporary usage of the absence of war and conflict. That's how contemporary society defines peace. But shalom is not the absence of something. It's actually something being made whole or being made complete. It's the presence of God filling a person or a situation to be made whole and complete. That's peace. That's the peace that Jesus is offering us. And ironically, you can actually be in conflict or be in a situation of war and still have shalom. So he's the prince of peace. What about that word prince? What do you think it means? Jesse, the one that gets the princess. Well, we are the bride, right? So I guess that's theologically accurate. Yeah. What does prince mean? He's the son of king. There, there's a, a, a connotation of authority. He is, his rule and his reign is marked by peace. 
How many of you in the past couple years, whether it's you personally or you've run into someone who's just struggled? I know I have struggled with the angst, the frustration, and the disappointment of governance. It's something that's highly relevant in America. I think if you go outside America, you probably have entire nations who've been frustrated, disappointment, disappointed with their government. And when we experience that disappointment and frustration of kind of the lack of what our government can be, it's actually our hearts are yearning for Jesus. We're yearning for the Prince of Peace. The truth is there's no religion, Hinduism, Islam, there's no government, there's no Marxism, communism, even democracy, as as good as that could be. None of those ideologies or forms of government can deliver on, on the promise of everlasting peace. So if we're experiencing as a society or even individually this, uh, this absence of, of peace when it comes to the government, it's, it's meant to propel us to yearn for the Prince of Peace and the return of the King. Galatians, so there's more. Oh yeah, section one, you guys got another one. Galatians 5, 16 through 23, we have the Prince of Peace, Can we get a volunteer to read Galatians 5, 16 through 23? TJ, go for it. Thanks, TJ. Which member of the triune God is at focus here? The Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And in order for the Holy Spirit, in order for really for us to bear the fruit of peace in our lives, what must we be willing to do? We must be led by the Spirit. So if the absence, if there's an absence of peace in our lives, could it be due to our unwillingness to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Could the season this past week, maybe it was today, be attributed to the lack of submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit? One more verse, Hebrews 13, 20. I'll read this one. It says, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of our, Lord, the great shepherd of our sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, So which member of the triune God is being reflected here? God the Father. So we have God the Father. He's the Father of peace. He's the Spirit of peace. He's the Prince of peace. This is Trinitarian theology right here. The triune God, completely unified in its expression and embodiment of the peace of God. It's in their nature to manifest wholeness completeness, not chaos in our lives. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, I told you we're gonna have lots of times to just pause and be activated. I want us to apply Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that he is Yahweh. Know that he is the Prince of Peace. So we're gonna take a moment right now and we're just gonna be still, we're gonna be quiet. I wanna encourage you just to close your eyes And I want you to gaze your heart upon the Prince of Peace. And I I, I encourage you, even in that moment, you may whisper, Lord, you are peace. I thank you for being peace. Let's just take a moment and know that he is the Prince of Peace.
Yes, Lord. You are peace, Lord. We thank you for your peace. We submit to the leadership of your Holy Spirit this morning. You are peace. Amen. Amen. So he's the person of peace. That brings us now to section number two. Peace made possible. Peace made possible. Could I have a volunteer read Colossians 1, 19 through 20? Someone in the back. Read, you got it? Loud and proud, buddy. Amen. Read what allowed for there to be peace between us and God? The blood of Jesus. Not our religion, not our our Bible studies, not our spirituality. Those things are good. Not our efforts, but the blood of Jesus. Not our good efforts. Now, prior to being reconciled, what was the state of our relationship with God? And what was the cause for that being the case? Prior to being reconciled, we were what? We were severed with God. We were enemies with God. We were at war with God because of our sin. But because of the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled. Now, what are the relational effects of now having peace with God? We're no longer enemies, but we're we're at peace with him. How many of you struggle, I know I do, with thoughts of accusation? Thoughts of guilt, thoughts of condemnation. You, you didn't measure up. According to the blood of Jesus, any time we as believers, as children of God, we hear those lying whispers in our minds, we now can declare God's perfect love. We've been reconciled. The blood of Jesus takes authority over those thoughts of accusation, over those thoughts of guilt, over those shame, condemnation. We are vertically reconciled, but we're also horizontally reconciled. Let me read Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel's and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What two ethnic groups is Paul talking about here? Jews and Gentiles. And if you wanted to rate like the top ethnic divisive hostilities in the history of the world, you'd have to put Jews and Gentiles at number one. That's, That's the most hostile ethnic group division there's ever been. And Paul is saying they've been made one. And if they could be made one, what does that say about all the ethnic hostilities and all the contemporary reconciliation efforts that we're talking about today? The cross created, we we like to say, one new man, a resurrection race. That doesn't mean that we don't maintain the unique facets of our, our, our ethnicity. Revelation 5 says that there will be people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. But Christ has made one new man. So what do we do with the peace that's now made possible? We've been reconciled vertically, horizontally, what do we do? Paul calls it this this grace that we've been saved by. What do we do with gifts? 
what do you do? When someone hands you a gift, what's the first thing you gotta do? You gotta receive it, and then what do you immediately need to do after that? You gotta thank them. You gotta thank them. So let's take a moment. We're gonna receive God's grace. We're gonna just receive it, and then we're gonna thank him for it. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your peace. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us. Just begin to receive it. The impartation of his grace and his peace. And make sure you thank him for it. We thank you, Lord. Amen. So we have the peace that's a person. We have the peace made possible. And section three, section three, what's section three? The, pre, the peace that what? Yes, the peace that protects, that passes all understanding. There you go. Can I have a volunteer read Philippians? Can I have a volunteer to read Philippians four? Michael? What are we allowed to be anxious about? Nothing. It's amazing how we normalize worry and anxiety as if we care. And Paul's saying, if you really care, you'll do what's in this verse. So what do we do? Instead of being anxious, what's the remedy? What's the anecdote? What's the prescription? What do we offer up to God? Prayer, but what type of prayer? Thankful prayer. We, we make our requests, our prayers with this thankful attitude. Jesus spoke a lot about prayer. He said, you have not because you ask not. What if the lack of peace in our lives is because we're just not praying and asking for it? Jesus said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. What if... us succumbing to the temptation of anxiety is because we're not praying. We're not offering up thankful prayer. What does it mean though that the peace that surpasses all understanding, what does that look like? This peace that transcends even our own understanding. You know what story comes to mind? It's the story of Jesus. In the boat, what is he doing when the storms come? He's sleeping. Most of us want the we want peace when the storm is over. The peace that surpasses understanding is the peace that carries you in the storm. That's the peace that he's offering us. That's the peace that surpasses understanding. Quick story. Uh, Julie and I had to practice this peace. Some of you guys have known that we've shared parts of the story, how we were expecting our fourth. And a couple months ago, we, we went in for some testing and they, they found some, an indicator for, um, for Down syndrome because of just the way that the, the, the baby was, her pinkies were forming, and they, we had to do some additional testing. And it was gonna take three weeks. And the three weeks felt like 30 years. But during that time, we had a lot of encouragement. We had several of you just offering prayers and sending texts saying we're praying for you. But we had to, in those three weeks, we had to decide, like, were we going to practice peace or are we going to be incredibly anxious? And there were times where, of course, we're, we, we were losing our peace, but we made a decision to say, you know, we are going to just thank you, Lord. We had to get to that point where we were confident of his goodness, good, his, who he is and what he had for us is good. And when we got to that place of just saying, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, thank you, Lord, that what you have for us is good, it was supernatural peace. We got to a point that even, even before we found out the results, it was this, this expectation. It's good. I, I can't explain it. It was supernatural. 
It, it was a peace that was transcending understanding. So how can we pra- practically apply this? What does it look like? Jesus gives us an example. If there was one moment that was leading up to Jesus being extremely anxious, it was the hours before his death. And while he's taking the last supper, his last meal, he's hours away before he knew he was gonna die, he was gonna be betrayed, he was gonna be beaten. And the scriptures tell us that as he's even eating this meal that pictures his death, even the very meal that he's eating is reminding him him of what type of death he's gonna have. The scriptures tell us that he lifted up the bread, he lifted up the cup, and it says that he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And then right after that, there's two gospels that say they sung a hymn. They sung a hymn. Now a lot of Bible scholars believe that the last hymn that they would have sung was Psalm 118 because it was Passover and, and they're likely would are singing some chapters in the Psalms. It was Psalm 118. And here's what I want us to do. We're, again, we're gonna be very interactive this morning. I want us to practice lifting up thanks as we declare Psalm 118. And as we read Psalm 118, I want you to think Jesus was singing this. He was thankfully praying this Psalm to the Lord just hours before his death. So we're gonna have Psalm 118 up here. Now before we do this, I just want us to pause and I want you to grab hold of what's the thing that's causing you anxiety? What's the thing that it's this week or next week or in this season that's bringing the most anxiety, fear, worry? I want you to hold, latch on to that, recognize that because that's what we're going to stand on as we declare Psalm 118. 18. And I'm going to read verse 1, and you guys will read the next verse. Then I'll read verse 3, and we're going to go back and forth. Does that make sense? And as we read Psalm 118, remember, think about Jesus declaring, singing, thankfully, these exact same words just hours before his biggest trial. I'll start with verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. You guys. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Save us, we pray, O Lord. 
Oh Lord, we pray, give us success. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Section four, preserving your peace. Where are we, where's section four at? That's you guys. Daniel, you want to read that out loud for us? So this verse immediately follows what we just talked about. The preceding context was dealing with anxiety, dealing with worry. And he follows it up with verse, this is verse eight. How does setting our minds on these things helpful in dealing with anxiety, negative thoughts? How does setting our minds on these things helpful in dealing with anxiety of negative thoughts. Most of us are minutes away from being discouraged. We're just minutes away of being discouraged. And therefore, we have to take responsibility of what we put in our minds. If we entertain from sources like social media, various news outlets, and the trash that's out there, then our discouragement and worry is self-inflicted. We have to take ownership of the gate of our own heart and mind. If we unlock the door and open it up to entertain things that are in conflict with God, we are to blame. We must repent. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Think of the story that Jesus gave when he talks about how the spirit that was cast out. He says, the spirit will return and if he finds the house in order and yet empty, he will come back seven times stronger. Philippians, the first section three, you guys were dealing with how to get rid of the, the anxiety, how to cast it out. You have to offer up thankful prayer. The peace of God comes, guards our hearts and minds. But then Paul goes right into how you maintain your peace, how you preserve your peace, how you maintain your freedom. And that is keeping your minds on things that are lovely, pure, just. And I don't really have an activation for that other than that, that's exactly what we're doing all morning. That's this, this whole service is an example of how we can set our minds on things above. That brings us to one more point. We've talked about how peace is a person. Peace is made possible. Peace protects our minds. It preserves us. And then this one, this is my favorites. What was section five? The power of peace. Can I have someone read Romans 16, 20? Nikki, you got it, girl. What is the title given here? Does it say the God of might? Does it say the God of power, the God of strength? It says the God of peace. Now, that makes sense if we understand peace as shalom, the God who brings completion and brings wholeness and who brings order where there's chaos. But what do you think it means, though, where it says, soon crush Satan? I was studying this this week, and that, that was tripping me up. Wait a minute. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Because I thought, I was like, man, I'm reading my Bible, Genesis 3.15. God, he, he, he's talking to the serpent. He says, there's a, there's a seed of a woman who's going to come, and he's going to crush your head. You will bruise his heel. All scholars believe that's pointing to Jesus, his act on the cross, 1 John 3, 8 says Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 2 says 
It talks about how in his death and resurrection, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. He triumphed over them. So which is it? We have this witness of scripture attesting to Jesus in his death and resurrection as destroying the head of serpent, but here it says it will soon crush Satan. But notice what it says. Look at the end of that verse. Whose feet is that? It says he will crush Satan under, not Jesus' feet, your feet. That's the churches, that's you, that's me. Through Jesus' death and resurrection and his crushing of Satan, he is now empowering us, he's now authorizing us to walk in that same power and authority to enforce his victory. Our life as disciples, this, the, the, the life of the journey of a child of God is the unfolding. It's to learn to walk in the same authority and power that he did. We are his ambassadors of peace. The life of a disciple is about manifesting the peace of God to enforce the victory over the enemy in our lives. Now here's the question, how do we do that? How, how, how do we enforce it? That sounds really good, wow. Jesus wants me to start crushing the head of the serpent. How do I do that? Paul writes elsewhere. This is why we need the sum of thy word is truth. We need other scriptures to help interpret scriptures. Ephesians 6. He's talking about the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish with all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So the context here is spiritual warfare, but what is figuratively spiritually covering our feet? We have these shoes. And I have to admit, when I read this passage, I often go, Paul, did you run out of body parts when you got to peace? It's like the sword of the spirit, a word of God. Yeah, I get that. That gets a lot of attention. Faith, oh, shield, yes. Yeah, I want that, I want that. Helmet of salvation. But when we get to peace, the spiritual virtue of peace, their shoes, or this readiness to, to walk. And what does that have to do with spiritual warfare, Paul? Well, when we connect it to Romans 16, our readiness to declare the gospel of peace in any circumstance releases a power to bring our enemies into submission enabling us to walk in victory. As we declare the gospel, and it's specifically the gospel of peace, we are trampling over the chaos that was intended by Satan. What are our enemies? It's the spirit of fear, it's unbelief, it's depression, it's rejection. Any dark force that opposes you and God's purposes for your life. But what does this look like? When we talk about the readiness to preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and we're a very missional movement, we like to talk about, yes, we, we think of like the guy from India. We think of the atheistic professor. But who do we need to be preaching the gospel to every day, first and foremost? Ourselves. The gospel, are we preaching, is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, do you declare the gospel of peace? When you declare the gospel of peace over yourself, over your mind, over your, your body, your soul, you are disarming every spiritual assail, assailing power that's attacking you. That's the power that we have access to. I heard a, a story from a pastor this week. He was, just like last week, he was a pastor in the airport. I guess pastors like to tell stories about being in the airport. Uh, he, was, he saw this, this, this woman, and she had a cane, and she was struggling to carry all her luggage. 
And so he had this compassion well up inside of him and he went up to her and said, hey ma'am, can I help you carry your stuff? And she's like, yeah, of course, but it's like a 10 minute walk, but you're more than welcome to. And he, uh, as, he's, as he's walking with her, he learns that her, her name's Joy and she's going to see her kids. She hasn't seen them in a long time and she's really, really excited. And when they get to the gate, he he just says, ma'am, I'm a pastor. I love to pray for people. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen God heal people. Is it okay if I pray for you? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not a Christian, but sure. And so he, he just starts saying like, hey, Jesus loves you. And he's the Prince of Peace. And he wants to bring peace even in your body right now. And so he puts his hand on her, on her shoulder. And he just says this just really brief prayer. Lord of Peace, Prince of Peace, will you come? And he says he just feels the power of God just coming out of him. And he feels it even in the atmosphere. And he, and he turns to the lady and says, ma'am, why don't you just do something that you've never done before? And this lady who's, who was born, she said that she has never been able to fully stretch out her legs. She was born that way. That she stands up and she begins to stretch out her leg all the way, 100%. And then she begins to just jump up and down in the airport. And... She's so receptive at this point. The man's like, can I just tell you about the Prince of Peace? He wants to come. And she gives her life to Jesus in the airport. Amen. Hallelujah. And her only complaint was, she's like, why did you wait 10 minutes of this walk to pray for me? (laughs) Couldn't we have done this soon? That was her only complaint. But the peace of God, the peace of God is powerful. And here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite us to do is just this last activation is that we're gonna practice uh, just declaring the peace of God over ourselves. If there's one weapon, if there's one thing I can give you today is that you would learn how to declare God's peace over yourself every morning. So we're gonna have you stand up And I imagine most of us, a lot of us, are, we're, we're likely carrying something. Maybe it's in our minds, maybe it's in our bodies, maybe it's in our emotions that we need peace in. We need God's peace. And the Word of God, as we just read, says that the peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. And my prayer this morning is that soon would be today, would be right now. And I don't want anyone to leave here this morning without experiencing the power of God's peace over your lives. So we're gonna take just a minute before we get into the the worship. And we're just gonna begin to declare. And I'm gonna encourage you even just to, to, we like to say, break the sound barrier and just begin to pray over yourself. Pray out loud over yourself. Declare. You can even just literally pray, Lord, I declare the peace of God over my mind right now. Lord, I declare the peace of your peace over my heart and my emotions. Just begin to pray that. Let's do that right now. Lord, we just pray peace. Lord, we declare your peace over our our, our families. We declare peace over our homes. We declare peace over our, 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 our places of business. We thank you, Jesus, that your peace, that because of the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, all enemies must come into submission to who you are, Jesus. We thank you for this good news. Just begin to press in, just for another moment, just begin to declare, God, your goodness, your peace is over me. Your goodness and your peace, it washes over me. Just lift up your voices. Just declare over yourself the peace of God. Just speak peace like Jesus spoke peace in the storm. Peace be still. If it's a physical ailment, just begin to put your hand over where that is and say, I just speak peace to my body. I speak peace to my body. If you're struggling with a form of just something mental health related, just put your hand over your mind and just say, peace be still. I command I command depression. I command rejection. I command the chaos in my mind. Peace be still. Take the authority that you have as a child of God and speak peace over yourself. Thank you, Jesus. 
going to invite our, our ministry team to come front, come up front. And, and if you, we're not done ministering, if, if there's an area of your body, soul, or spirit that is lacking peace, then the invitation is to come to the front and say, I, I know God's peace is for me. Will you just pray peace over me? Will you, will you just pray peace over my heart? Pray peace over maybe this, this sickness that I have. I want to just receive an extra measure of peace this morning. So elders, life group leaders, please come to the front. I'm going to close this out and we're going to get into worship. Jesus, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And of your governance and of your peace, there is no end. There is no end. We declare that your peace reigns in this house, in this body, in this church this morning. We receive your peace.